Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Amen, amen. Jesus is alive. That's kind of a big deal. If you're a Christian, it's kind of like the center of the whole book, right? If you don't get that, you're kind of not going to get anything else that happens in the book. So if you don't get anything else out of today, Jesus Christ is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good news. That's good news. Here's what I believe is going to happen today. Um, We don't have a play for you. I don't have farm animals. We don't have kids singing off key. What we have today is the gospel. (laughs) This This is what we have. We have the church of Jesus Christ. Coming together, reading the Word of God, and trusting that the Holy Ghost of God is going to be here and touch people. Amen. So last week, we talked about the process of coming into the real you, right? We talked about the warfare that will happen when you decide to be the you God has created you to be, right? Anybody get anything out of that? Yeah, good. So we talked about you know, when, when, when you start coming into the real you, Uh, The enemy wants you to come into the fake you. The enemy's got a voice for you, has a direction for you, has a call for you that is not the same as God's call and direction for you. And and, and I don't know if if this brought to memory, if it brought to light, if it um, uh, uh, had you reflecting a little bit on some of the trials and tribulations that you've been through in your life where where there was a fight over who you're going to be. Some of the hardest times in my life uh, were marked by false expectations. Times that I thought people were going to be there and it turned out they had their own agenda, right? Times that you thought things were going to work out and you put your hope in something and then it kind of fell apart. And, uh, and in the midst of that, you realize, wait a minute, none of those things were me. Those were my hopes in other people or in other things. They weren't really a true, I, true example of who I am. Uh, instead, they're me offloading my call onto someone or something else. I think that's a good word right there. Uh, we, 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 tend to, we tend to rely on other people and other things to fulfill the call of God in our life when God himself wants to reveal the real you. Can you say amen? Yeah. And as, as you, yeah, if we're going to clap, let's clap. Tribulations come and they kind of test our character. Who are you really going to be? Right? Who, who are you really going to be? Are you going to be the person of quality, of character that you know you're called to be? Or are you going to give up the God gift on the inside of you for somebody else? For someone else's call, for someone else's benefit, for someone... Like, this, this is like, it's so important because we all come to God with an agenda. We all read the Bible with an agenda. If your only prayer times are times when you need something, you're going to view God through the lens of whether or not God could be my ATM, and you're going to be um, severely disappointed when you find out that you're overdrawn. You're going to think that God has somehow run out of funds when really you've been on the wrong page all along, right? We got we to we come to God with an agenda of understanding that He is God and I am not, Right? And that I need to figure out who I am by knowing who he is first. Because I can only find the real me inside of him. The real me came from him. And the only way I find the real me is to find myself in him. You'll find that people, people, 
People want to create you in their image. Have you noticed that? People want to create you in what they want you to be. People create you, uh, try to create an identity for you that fits into their purpose. And if you don't do that, they'll lie on you, steal from you, they'll cheat you, they'll try to, try, to, try to put your name out there because you wouldn't be the person that they thought you were supposed to be. Not recognizing that you've been tapped into the source and that you're going to be the person that God has called you to be. Come on. And, 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 and in doing this, it causes some problems. It causes some problems because nobody knows who the real you is but you and God. Nobody's heard what God has spoken to you. Nobody has heard how God has revealed himself in the midnight hour to you. And, and, and I want you to remember how God has revealed himself to you at your lowest. You don't, you don't, you don't really know who someone is until you desperately need them. When you hit bottom, when, 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 when um, the trials of life Come, when you have nothing to offer them, who's going to be there? That's when you find someone's real character. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's when you find out when you don't have money to pay for going out or you don't, you don't have that hookup like you once had or, 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 or you, your, your name doesn't benefit them. Who's still showing up in that time? That's who you find who your real friends are. And if you really think about it, you really found out who God is when you're at your lowest. That, that's, that's, come on, that's when we discover the real Jesus, when we have nothing to offer him. Act like I'm not talking right now. Honey, in my top drawer, I got a little eyeglass cleaner. All I see is lights and fog on my glasses. Oh, no, you can't take those. I won't be able to see nothing. <laughs> At least I can see a little bit. I need to see something. But, you know, in this, in this process, it's in my top drawer. In this process, in, and, and I'm not talking about you today. I'm not talking about me today. We're talking about Jesus today. Uh, but, but in this process, when you think you're at your lowest, I just feel so strongly to tell this to somebody. When you feel like the whole world is talking about you, you could stand with your head high because you are still created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Just give me a little blue thing there. You are created in his image. And that, 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 let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, there's a whole theology out there that you are born utterly depraved. And, and let me tell you why that's wrong. You cannot be born in the image of God and be born utterly depraved. It is not possible. Now, it's impossible to live this life without sin, but you were created without sin. You were, in Psalm 22, David said, in my mother's womb, I knew you. So from the beginning, you were called by God. You were created in his image way before you ever did anything for Jesus. You were created just according to your father, just how he wanted you to look. And uh, the reason the devil hates you is because you look just like your daddy. You've got to remember that. And so while the world agrees with the devil about you, remember who you really look like. Stand tall. Put your chest down. Put your chin up. No, 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 no. I might, I might have messed up a little bit, but I'm created in the image of my father, and I promise you I'm going to be able to see out of these glasses before the end of this message, or I'm just going to see by faith. And so, so just like there's a process of coming into the real us, there is a process in, in, in learning who the real Jesus is and coming to the revelation of the real Savior. There's a process for it. The, 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 the church in America and the church in the West today is facing some challenges. You might have seen TV shows or you see it on social media because people, people, there's a lot of people who know church, but they don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people who know how to, how to do church, but they don't know how to know Jesus. They don't know how to hear his voice. They don't know how to discern his character in other people. Uh, and so they're swayed by, by, by church. Um, and and, and um, they don't know how to rightly discern the Bible. They don't know how to 
rightly discern the will of God. Uh, they, they, it, so these pastors fall, their faith is shaken because they don't know the God of the pastor. They know the pastor is God. And, and many churches don't have a vision that comes from the Bible and Jesus. They have a vision that comes from one man who has decided how to build. I don't want to go down that road right now, but I, well, you need to know Jesus. Can you say amen? See, people's faith gets shaken because they've never been taught how to come into a revelation of the real Jesus Christ. We need to meet Jesus. The world needs Jesus. America needs Jesus. America don't need religion. America don't need celebrity pastors. America don't need uh, lawmakers who are acting like Christians. What America needs is real Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. This is what America needs. They don't, they don't, they don't need us being Jesus, acting like we're Jesus, running people's lives like we're the Holy Ghost. The, the, the Holy Ghost has already been sent. He don't need us, right? Like we, the America needs Jesus. And they need to hear his voice. And as Christians, we want to be like Jesus. We, 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 we want to be like Jesus. This is, this is who we're called to be. And, and, and salvation, salvation is instant. Like you meet Jesus and your soul is renewed and your spirit man comes alive and that's instant. But, but, but being conformed to Christ has to be done on purpose. You don't accidentally become conformed to Christ. It's Funny, when you get a new job, uh, if you've got a new job in this season, you know, that's some of the most exhausting times at your job. You get a new job and there's all, all kind of stuff you got to learn. There's new people, there's processes, there's, there's all kind of stuff that you got to figure out when you show up, where the break room is. And, and then people get saved and they feel like, oh, okay, that's done. Like, no, 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 you've been converted from, 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 from a, 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 a hell-destined sinner into a heaven-born saint. That's going to take a little bit of onboarding process. Can you say amen? It's going to take a little bit of learning the culture, learning the documents, understanding the people, getting to know the boss, right? Like, this is, this is, this is the onboarding process for Christianity, and, it, and we do it our whole life. We get conformed to Christ. It, 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 it's... It, it takes, unfortunately, takes some pain, right? It takes, it takes some trials. It takes some testing. It, 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 takes, it takes some effort to be conformed to Christ-likeness. And as, as I share the Word of God today, I have, I have two goals right now. And just get one of them, if you would, please. N number one, I want to celebrate that Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. Can you say amen? If you get nothing else out of this, Jesus Christ was dead and then he became alive. I don't have time to get into that theologically, but Jesus, when his body died, he didn't go off and do stuff. Jesus was the God-man. He was one creation. He was one God in equally human and spirit. Fully God, fully man. He didn't have two different natures, right? This was settled in 300 AD. He didn't have two natures. He didn't come down as God and put on flesh, and then he took off the flesh. He has always been God. And when Jesus was dead, the second person of the Trinity was dead. If, it's, if that kind of, ooh, what are you talking about? Look up Chalcedonian Christianity, search Christology, been settled for about 1,700 years, right? So, so, so it's important to understand that when Jesus was dead, he was dead, but he didn't stay dead. Can you say Amen. The Holy Ghost of God rose him from the dead, and now he is alive forevermore, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. He is our advocate with the Father. He is ministering his own blood at the altar in heaven, and by faith in him, we are saved. That's good news. If you don't get nothing else, get that. 
The second thing I want to do today is I want to create a bridge from that historical event that's recorded in the Bible, uh, which, which, you know, this whole resurrection story, I want to create a bridge from that into your life. Because it's good in the Word, it's better in you. It's good in the Bible, but it's better in you. All right. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 20. And as, uh, as, as I keep trying to <clears throat> drill into you, and I hope you drill into the people you are discipling, it is vitally important that we catch the story of the Bible and catch the story that the writers are trying to teach us. We can't simply memorize words. We have to understand the story. Amen? So, um, you know, there was a Holy Thursday or Maundy Thursday, Thursday when he had this meal, the Last Supper with his disciples. Friday, of course, we call Good Friday. It was a day that Jesus Christ was tried and executed uh, on a cross brutally. We had Good Friday service here, which was amazing. Like the service was unbelievable. The presence of God was so beautiful. Um, and so he died on the cross. And Saturday was, was like Holy Saturday where Jesus is dead and we're waiting. Anybody live there before where you knew Jesus before and you believe or hope you're going to see him in the future? But right now, I don't know what's going on. Right? You ever been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Saturday. That's, if that's happening, it's biblical. Sorry, it's biblical though, right? But the resurrection is coming. Amen. Right? And so Saturday he was dead. And so we pick up the story here in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were running to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb. Pretty funny little thing to add in the story, isn't it? Little, little funny, like, 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 okay, so we have the resurrection of the crucified God, and I beat Peter running there, right? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know, one of these is not like the other. Like, one is not quite as, 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 as significant as the other. But uh, what we're going to see in this John chapter 20, there's a story of what's happening in the world today, and hopefully I can faithfully uh, 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 communicate this to you. We see uh, Mary Magdalene early in the morning goes to the tomb of Jesus, and she goes back, runs and tells the disciples. So she doesn't stay there, doesn't investigate, runs to the disciples. The disciples run to the tomb. I am, I am concerned today about the mental health of our society. Uh, we know we're seeing mental health become more important than ever, and um, there's more mental health care, which I think is so important. People are getting therapy. People are getting help. We're not asking the question why people need more mental health care than ever. We're not, we're not like, we're asking questions. I just don't know that we're asking the right questions. I don't know that we're asking good questions. Are we building a society that fosters mental health? Are we conducting and immersing ourselves in forms of entertainment that improve our mental health? Are our lives constructed in a way that we value mental health? And I would say to all these, no, no, we're not. We're in a rush for everything. 
Humans were not created. Our brains were not wired. Uh, the way um, hormones and, and brain chemistry works was not built to get constant stimuli all day, every day. We were not created. Now, this is Carl, not the Lord Jesus Christ. We were not created to need three jobs to get by. Amen. I mean, there's a whole lot of the church talking about how women shouldn't work. Not much of the church talking about them. Why aren't there jobs that men can support a family? Well, like, like, like we, 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 we're, 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 we're preaching the wrong stuff. If you believe it, okay, I'm not going to go down that road. Oh, I'll go down it for a second here. It's funny how many churches preach that women should be submitted to men and they shouldn't be in the workplace, but they take the tithe of the woman anyways. But I'll just leave that there for a second. If you believe it's wrong, I mean, uh, you know, I'll just put that out there for a second. That's just, I don't want to step on no toes, but in the name of Jesus, I'm sorry. Holy Ghost of God, just get me back on track here if you would. So, 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 so we see the disciples here in a rush, right? They're in a rush. They want to figure stuff out right away. Mary Magdalene saw the stone was rolled away and she ran away. John is bragging about the fact that he's even faster than Peter. Peter is known for a guy who makes decisions too quickly. And now John is bragging about even being more rash than him, right? Like, we might be judging Christianity wrong. We might be just measuring the wrong stuff, right? And so, and so, and so John, John, you know, he gets there before Peter. Peter looked, didn't see a body. John then looked, but he didn't go in. Peter stooped in and entered the tomb. And as they entered the tomb, uh, there's, there's, he sees these pile of clothes that, as, we, as we read in the text. And uh, uh, the, the way you got to remember how these tombs worked, we've talked about this before. It's not like today where they bury a hole, they dig a hole in the ground and they put you in a box and they lower the box inside of a cement uh, sarcophagus, as it were, into the ground, and then they seal it. That's, that's not what they did back in the day. What they did was they would, they would carve a hole in the side of a cliff, somewhere in, in the cliffs, and there would be rock, and then they'd lay a piece of limestone, right, on a bench. They'd make a bench out of limestone. They'd wrap the body, and it would, it would stink, and so they would put oils on it. That tells us that they lived close to their dead, right? If they cared about the smell, they didn't put the dead out somewhere no one would be, uh, they put the dead in a cave somewhere nearby. They would take care of the body so they wouldn't dishonor it in its death. Uh, they wrap it up, and then uh, they would wait for the body to decompose. And then they would collect the bones of the dead, and they put it, in, put it in, a, in a box called an ossuary, right? And then they would put the ossuary somewhere in a family crypt. Does that make sense? And so th this, is, this is how, and so when you see these above kind of mausoleums, that's kind of more historically accurate because you'd have these ossuaries that may have one or two or three family members in this box inside of an area uh, that you would um, store the family and you would honor them and, and whatnot. And, but they're going back to see where the body is because clearly after three days, the body would still be there, would not be decomposed yet. And so when he looked in, they saw two piles of clothes. One were at the feet, which were folded, and then there was a cloth from his face at the head. Now, I got to say, you know, as, as, as Protestants, you know, we, we, um, we don't honor Mary 
uh, we, we certainly don't pray to her, but we don't even give her like any kind of props. For some reason, we've, we've so overcorrected that we don't recognize like this is the woman that God decided that he would live inside of first. Kind of a big deal. Probably a big deal, right? Like, like if, you, if there's any moms in the room and you, you had a baby, you probably think that was a big deal, right? That was a pretty big deal. Like I created a human and my body suffered. My body was forever marked by the fact that I created a human, right? And then, which I find more remarkable, you kept it alive, right? Like you couldn't keep a plant alive, but you kept a human alive, right? Maybe not happily at times, but you kept a human alive. And, and, and some of you were, were able to keep that human alive from the product of your own body. Like your own body kept that child alive. Like that's, it's almost supernatural, except every animal, it kind of works that way, right? But, but, but you kept a human alive just on your own, right? Like it's, it's crazy. And no shame if you, you know, you supplement all that's, that's, just put that nonsense aside for the second, but just, just kind of think about, think about the picture here. And uh, God did that with Mary, except it was God. It was God eternal, eternally born from Mary, was in Mary, then she had God, right? And then God, like your salvation, Jesus Christ, was kept, like there were times that your salvation was dependent upon the breast of Mary. That will blow your mind. Like God's like, I can trust her not to kill the baby. Salvation, like that's kind of a big deal, right? Uh, Mary, mother of God. So, and, so, and so here we have, we have you know, Jesus, uh, the, the, the God-man, uh, they put him in the, you know, in, 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 and so when Jesus got up, he made his bed. Mary did some mothering there, right? Like Jesus was raised well. <laughs> the boy Jesus was right. He made his bed. Like if I die, the last thing I'm thinking about is where the, where the, where the, where the, where the, where the cover goes, right? Like what, do I fold the sheet over the blanket or does the sheet go under the blanket? My wife and I have this debate. Does we fold the sheet under the comforter or does it, it clearly goes over, right? You clearly fold over. She likes to go under. Nothing about my mother-in-law's mothering there. I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm talking about is, uh, but Mary, Mary trained her boy. It's amazing if you tra- train up a child in the way they should go later in life in the midst of trials, they're going to remember these things. And so Jesus, before he leaves the tomb, we got a pile, he folded up his clothes, he took off his grave clothes. Remember when Lazarus came out, he was wrapped in his grave clothes, and uh, Jesus told people to, to loose him. Jesus like, I got this. He unraveled his own grave clothes, folded them up, left them at the feet. And so Peter looks in and, and he sees these, these two piles of clothes sitting there on this limestone bed. Are you following me? I'm going somewhere with this. Are, 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 are we good so far? Excellent, 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 excellent. Let's go to verse 9. He says, For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. This, this, this is what the church is facing right now. They did not know the Scriptures, so they went about their own life. They did not understand the Bible. So they went about doing their own thing. I can't imagine what it was like to to be discipled by Jesus and think that you 
are a disciple of the Messiah. Your rabbi will reign over Israel. He is the promised one who will come and redeem Israel, be the king of like. And then he was murdered. I, I can't imagine brutally murdered. Uh, and, and, and I can I can understand their emotional brokenness. But when they went and they saw the tomb empty, hope wasn't on the inside of them. Instead, they, they did not understand. And, and, and they went back to their lives. They just they just went home. They, they didn't see anything but dirty rags. And they ran home to figure out what to do now. We know about a week and a half later, Peter, excuse me, Jesus finds some of them fishing, right? Like they just they just went on with their life. He, 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 they didn't know what to, what to do. They didn't set a memorial. They didn't pray. They, didn't, they just, 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 just left. And I wonder, I wonder, as I read through the Scripture and I pray, I wonder how many calls got sidetracked because people lacked the understanding of the process of God. I wonder, I wonder how, how, many, how many marriages could be repaired if we understood the process of God? How many children wouldn't have to leave their parents' home and would be given a little bit of room to flourish because people understood the process of of God, understood the grace of God, understood that God is not working on our timing, but He is working. He's working in ways that we don't understand. And though we may not see anything and we get frustrated that things aren't moving the way we want them to be moving, God is still moving in the midst of it. And God is still preparing a place for our call to come to pass. But instead, we just keep running forward, running here, running there, trying to find a new thing. People come to church, you know, and they miss it. Now, let, 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 let me tell you, people lack understanding because they are looking for a new 15-second clip to give them a dopamine rush. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm fixated on this because I believe the Holy Ghost is on it. Our society is absolutely baptized and saturated in a need for dopamine. They're constantly looking for the next dopamine rush. Did anybody like my post? Did anybody like my reply to my text? Is my group chat getting active? Is my post getting shared? Uh, is there a new video on? Am, is there another drink to have? Is there another club to go to? Is there another person to get with? Is there another score to have? Is there another come up? Is there another dollar to make? Is there an, like, it, like we are constantly looking for stimulation, not thinking, what is this doing to my brain? And what is this doing to my soul? How is this rush to get constant affirmative feedback affecting my soul? And how is that coloring how I see God? I'm here to tell you, if you want to follow Jesus, we might have to go out with the old and in with the older. Right? We need to go back to what the original believers did. We're going to have to go back to what Jesus taught his disciples. We have to gather together for worship and sit and listen to the reading of the word. You're going to have to block off some time and read your Bible. Pray the Lord's Prayer with understanding. Do it every day. Understand what you're praying and pray through it every day. Serve your church. Serve your neighbor. Get a mentor. Make time to meet with them. Give God time to work in your life. Life. Can you say amen?
if you can't read a book for 15 minutes without looking at your phone, I'm talking to you. If you can't sit there in silence and pray for 20 minutes without needing to check if there's a new Reddit post or there's a new, uh, like, like, it is time to, like, there's not, nothing wrong with the phone. Like, the last generation, they yelled it was a TV. And before that, they yelled it was rock and roll. And before that, like, it, it goes all the way back, right? We have to learn how to just settle down and give God time. Jesus had to give God three days to raise him from the dead. And if Jesus had to wait on the Father, come on. Like, like we, we, we probably going to have to wait a little bit, right? Like, like we have to learn this. These are, these are these disciplines. And so we see these disciples, they run, they don't see what they want, and they immediately leave. But we also see Mary in this story. We see Mary Magdalene in this story. And you remember, it was Mary Magdalene is the one who woke up early to anoint the body of Jesus. She went there while it was still dark out. I want you, when you're reading your Bible, when they start talking about the darkness, and they start talking about these times and seasons, I want you to realize they point this out for a reason. Darkness is always the time of formation. It's the time where God creates out of chaos. And when the, during the darkness over the earth, the Spirit hovered over the darkness. This time and again, God moves in the darkness and He creates something where there was nothing, right? This is who God is. There has to be a nothing. There has to be a negation before there's a creation. And so often in our lives when God is creating a negation so He can bring out of it a creation, we're holding on to the old things that God's trying to get rid of. He's like, I need to wipe the slate clean so I can build the new thing in your life. But we're holding on to stuff. We're giving up who we really are so we can hold on to things that God doesn't want. And we're wondering why we're not happy and we're not fulfilled and we're not walking in God's plan because we're still holding on to the last season and craving the new season and we want this assurance that if I give that up will you promise me that and God's like no 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 I need a negation before I can do a creation and so you gotta let the darkness form sometimes in your life you say amen and so here in the darkness Mary Magdalene shows up at the tomb with the oil and the spices to anoint the body of Jesus and it's in that period that she finds out that he's no longer there and this is important she found out he wasn't there and she didn't run away. She told the disciples, she came back, they left. And then what'd she do? She stayed. She sat there. She didn't play music, didn't try to heal her soul. She sat, the Bible says, and she wept. Verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. I, 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 like, I hope you get this today. Our society is terrified of being disappointed. And so we will lie and make up a false narrative and gossip about people to cover ourselves, make other people look bad to make us look good, None of that is Christ. You're building a false, there's no negation there for God to create out of. Mary wasn't scared of the darkness. She wasn't scared of the negation. She wasn't scared of the absence, but she did mourn. She takes the time, hear me in this, 
She takes the time to sit in her pain and contemplate the grief. Now, I don't know what the last two years has been like for you. For some of you, you had to come up. But many of us, it's been hard. You say amen. The, the pandemic, the racism that we saw in our society get uncovered in such a public way. And it wasn't just that the racism was uncovered. It was that people didn't repent of it. That was the, that was the hurtful part, right? For me, that was the hurtful part. Church splits, church being uncovered, leaders being uncovered in their sin and acting badly because of it. Like, it was just been a painful, painful season. As a leader in the body of Christ, it's been difficult. As an American, it's been difficult. As a person with a conscience, it's been difficult. And so many people just want to run on to the next thing. That was painful. Let's not talk about that. Let's move on. I'm like, nope, I'm here to stay. I'm, 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 I'm still fighting for these things that I believe to be true. I'm sitting in my pain. It's difficult. It was unpopular. People, people didn't like me talking about it, but guess what? I didn't ask your opinion for a reason. You didn't call me. Jesus did. And I, I answer to Jesus, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach this word of God whether people like it or not. I'm going to preach the risen Jesus Christ whether people like it or not. I'm going to call people out in their sin whether they like it or not. I'm going to declare that his kingdom come, his will be done whether people like it or not. I'm going to stay true to my call, not what someone else wants me to be. Can you say amen? I will sit in the darkness, just me and Jesus, if that's what it takes. And I will preach this gospel to an empty parking lot before I will kowtow to somebody threatening me that they'll withdraw their money if I don't preach what they tell me to preach. I, this, you, you come to the wrong man for that. This is not that kind of man, and this is not that kind of church, right? We're here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior who came for the broken and the hurting. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. Okay, that's, that's, that's me. I feel like that's a good word right there, but I'm, I hope you get some of that. I hope you get some of that. Amen. Come on, somebody. But she sits in her pain. Now, let's, let's look at the story. Let's, let's get the story. So she's outside weeping, and she has to go in to the source of her pain. How many of you are still hiding from the source of your pain? How many of you still don't want to acknowledge the source of your pain? How many of you are not dealing with the source of your pain so it is still living on the inside of you? Mary's like, I'm not going to run away wondering if maybe he was still there. I'm not, I'm not going to have false hope sitting in my heart. I'm not, I'm not going to create a false narrative to make me feel better. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at this thing and I'm going to deal with it. And if you're going to come to Christ, that requires humility. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. She had to bend down to look in at Jesus. See, here's how you know when you're hearing the false gospel. The false gospel says that you don't have to do anything to find Jesus. You, you, you just, ah, well, you know, just, just life's good. Life's good. Add a little Jesus to your life. It'd be you. It's still you. Don't worry. You don't have to do anything. Add a little Jesus you know, like a little Ciroc on a Friday night. Just add a little Jesus and everything gets a little better. You know, mix it up with a little happy, clappy song, a little, a little, you know, and then everything's good. Like, no, that's not actually the gospel. You're going to have to humble yourself a little bit, recognize that he's God, I'm not, to see him, right? And so the Bible says that Mary Magdalene, she had to bend down to go look and see where Jesus was. Anybody know what I'm saying here? Come on, somebody. All right, so she bends down, sitting in her grief, Bends down to go look for Jesus. The Bible says in verse 12, and she saw two angels. Say two angels. They're important. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. Oh, Jesus. This is about to get very good. Now, 
Peter and John looked at that tomb, and all they saw were, were rags. They saw some filthy rags. They were, oh, I tried Christianity. Now I'm, I'm going to try Buddhism. Now I'm going to try Judaism. Now I'm going to try, uh, you know, self-talk. I'm going to try some yoga. I'm going to try something. No, no, no. How about you sit for a second? Humble yourself, and let's take a look. Let's, let's read the Bible, try to understand it before we move on, right? Let's, let's just sit under some discipleship and understand the Word of God and the story of the Word. So Peter and John, they look in, and they just saw some, some rags, but Mary, Mary didn't see rags. Mary saw two angels, right? There's an angel. There's, huh, come on, you might, have to, you might have to quit running from your pain in your life to see where God is working. You might have to sit... Hear me, you might have, like the book of Lamentations is in the Bible for a reason, not because there's a bunch of failures, because you may have to actually sit in your grief and learn how to deal with it. The book of Job is in the Bible for a reason. All the times that the nation of Israel was defeated is in the Bible for a reason. Because you may have to sit in some failure for a little bit and figure out what God is doing in your life. You may have to actually go through the grieving process to see Christ. You may have to give up the very thing you thought God was giving you before you see the thing he really wants to give you. There has to be a death before there can be a life. Unless a seed is buried in the ground and dies, it will not come back from the dead. So some things in your life that you're like, oh, I gave that up, but you didn't give it up. That's why I haven't moved on from it because you still are holding on to it. You're like, I buried it. Yeah, but your hand is buried with it. You're going to have to let it go, right? Anybody know what I'm saying? All right. So, 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 so we got to sit. Now, there's a garden, right? The Bible tells us that this, this cave where they, where they dug the rock, where they, the brand new grave that no one had been buried in before. It had to be clean, just like Jesus cleaned the temple before he was sacrificed there. Come on. So just like that, it was a clean hole in the rock with a bench with, um, that was limestone. Uh, Peter and John saw two rags. Mary Magdalene saw an angel at the head, saw an angel at the feet. You have to, you have to at some point, let God work the pain on the inside of you before you get a full revelation of what God is doing. Mary Magdalene humbled herself, looked in that cave, saw that flat stone with an angel at the head and an angel at the feet. And that's not just some random, random thought. The flat stone, Jesus upon it. An angel at the head, an angel at the feet. People may not understand. They think God came to judge the world. But Jesus didn't come to judge the world. Jesus came to set people free, operating in mercy, operating in grace, operating in love. People who do not know him try to tell people about him. But those who know him know that Jesus is not sitting on the throne of judgment. He's sitting on where? The mercy seat. So he got a flat bench. Angel at the head, angel at the feet. You seen that anywhere in the Bible? Go ahead, Josh. We got the mercy seat. We got the mercy seat from the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus sitting upon it. An angel at the foot. An angel at the head. The Christ seated in his mercy, his resurrected mercy, ready to forgive the sins of the world. What happened in this Ark of the Covenant? Come on, what did it hold? It held three things that were the most holy things to Israel. Inside it were the, the manna and the almond branch and the 
Ten Commandments. You know the story from the book of Exodus as they came out and they worshiped God. And uh, Jesus, Jesus, we had the Ten Commandments. Jesus now embodies the Torah. He is the Word of God. And you had this almond branch, which had seven branches, which was the golden lampstand. Jesus is now the light of the world. And we had the bread, which Jesus, of course, is the bread of life. The very things in this Ark of the Covenant, that was all pointing to Jesus. And now in that tomb, Mary was able to look and take time and get this revelation of who Jesus really is. Come on, somebody. This is a good word right here. Verse 13. The angels start talking to Mary. Woman, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? She said, she said, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, I want you to get this. Mary has just entered the discipleship process. This is what I want you to get today. When you come to the revelation, it's not over, it's the beginning. She's entered the discipleship process. Mary had to lower herself down to get into the discipleship process. Her darkest hour is where she, she discovered the real her and the real Jesus. And your darkest hour is where you're going to discover your real resiliency and the real Jesus. You know, you have made it through every worst day of your life so far. You've made it through every single one. That's the real you. That's the real you. And you come from a long, long line of people who have made it through the worst day of their lives to have you. And so you are going to have to, you are going to have to allow this discipleship process in your life. You have to humble yourself to see him. And if you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, you don't know where Jesus is, the key you come back to is I need to humble myself and seek him. Watch this, verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Echoing the angel. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Sir, sir, Jesus, what, 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 what are you looking for? What's, why are you crying? Who, who, whom are you seeking? Now, I want, I want you to remember this. We got this cave that they carved out in the midst of a garden. The whole story of the Bible starts where? In a garden. Mary Magdalene sees Jesus and she supposes him to be the gardener. Why? Because Jesus is repairing the garden. He's repairing this place that you and I are supposed to be dwelling in peace, in joy, in fellowship with God. And she says to him, sir, because she don't know yet. Watch this. Verse 16, Jesus says to her, Mary. Jesus turned around and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. 
Now she's clinging on to Jesus. Why is she clinging to Jesus? Because she wants things the way they were. Some of us are so trapped in our pain because we still want things to be the way they were. We're never going back to 2019. It's never going to happen. We're not going to go back to 2015 or whatever the greatest days of your life were. We're not going back. We're going forward. God has something new happening. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. You cannot hold on to the old things and come into the new things. That's why Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. I've not yet ascended to my father. Jesus is like, I know you think the old things were great, but guess what? It's about to get gooder, right? It's about to get gooder. It's about to be gooder. But she didn't didn't get that. You ever like really hold on to something so tightly that it slips through your fingers? And you're like, ah, if I had just given a little bit more freedom. We got to hold the God stuff with open hands and let Jesus work in our lives. So she holds on to him, but he's leaving. In Leviticus chapter 16, uh, verse 23, we read this, um, this passage, and, and in it, it talks about when the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, and it says when he goes in there, he's going to be slaughtering, and so there's going to get blood on stuff, and it says after you, after you make the sacrifice and all that, you've got to take off your clothes, and you, you leave them there. You don't wear your old clothes off into the world, because now you're starting new. The sins are forgiven. You are starting something new, so don't take your dirty clothes with you. This is, this is as the priest slaughters and then goes into the holy of holy to be in the presence of God. And so now we see Jesus who has created the new holy of holies, his resurrection. And of course, as the high priest, he can't take the old clothes with him to the new place. He had to leave the old clothes behind like the high priest, right? He's, he's fulfilling this whole priestly role. And Mary, as it were, it comes, watch this, don't get offended with me here. I'm just teaching, I'm just telling you what's in the Bible. She represents the new high priest. She's going into the Holy of Holies where the glory of God is. That is a resurrected Jesus, right? So Mary's in there. Mary Magdalene's in there with this Holy of Holy Jesus, the resurrected one, all showing that this old priestly uh, 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 motif in the old temple motif has passed away because this isn't happening in Jerusalem. It's happening outside where, where God is now. He's left the church. He's out there doing things in the lives of people. And if you want to find Jesus, you'll find him in broken people. You'll find him in the hurting. You'll find him in those who are marginalized. That's where Jesus is right now. We come to church to get equipped, but we go out there to find him for real. I feel that's a good word. Hallelujah. So this is the new holy of holies. And so Jesus, he leaves to embark this new way of being, this new heaven and this new earth. And he leaves his old clothes behind because you can't take them with you. I need you to remember this. You can't take it with you. The old things, you got to leave them behind. Some of you got some relationships. And it's at some point you just got to say, that's an old thing. I really wish the best part of that old thing could be part of my future, but it's the old thing. You don't have to leave that behind. Some of you had some glory days, and that was the old you. It's time to find the new blessing that God has for you, waiting for you with new clothes. You can't take the old clothes with you. And so about 50 days later, of course, we know that the church is going to take off some old religious clothes and be clothed with power on the day of Pentecost. That's what the Bible literally says, just like Joseph had a coat put upon him and Adam and Eve put on some garments. And we see throughout history that 
These robes were put on people and mantles were put on people 50 days later at Pentecost. We put on some new clothes, those that clothed with the Holy Ghost of God and the glory of God. This is where now we are looking as the church past Easter toward the, the, the empowerment, the endowment of power. Are you with me? Are we on the same page here? So we see Mary Magdalene here, verse 18, follow me, I'm almost done. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Now, I hate to put a, a damper in some people's theology, but historically the church throughout history has called Mary the apostle to the apostles. It was Mary Magdalene that God chose to bring this work of good news, this word of resurrection, this promise of resurrection life, the fulfillment of the miraculous coming of the Messiah to the apostles. Why would God do this? He's showing us something. In order for these apostles to truly get the message that Jesus had for them, they're going to have to humble themselves and receive it from someone who historically in the old system wasn't allowed to teach them. But Jesus is saying now things work a little bit different than they used to work. If you want to go up, you need to go down. If you want to get real wisdom, you better sit with those who are broken. You're going to have to humble yourself and lower yourself so that God God can exalt you. He's establishing things here. If you're a woman and you're ever told where your place is, I hope they told you it's seated with Christ. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's what you need to hear. Come on, somebody. But how did Mary become this apostle to the apostles? I'll close with this. Worship team, come on up if you would, please. <clears throat> how, did she, how, did she, how did she ascend to this? We know we... We know that there were disciples who were arguing, they were jockeying position, they were, they, were, they, were, they, were trying to, they were trying to be the big person, but Mary Magdalene actually became the big person. How did this happen? There are seasons of your life where you need to sit until God raises you up. There are seasons of your life. You may come today broken. You may come today feeling like life is all behind you that you're sitting in your pain and the Lord is like, listen, I am working. I am working in your life. I want to show you very briefly. Go ahead, play something for me, Elijah. These three steps of Mary's discipleship process and I want you to commit yourself to this. If we learn anything from this today, other than the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, this is your discipleship process. You remember when she first saw Jesus at the tomb and she thought she was the he was the gardener? First thing she calls him is sir. She calls him sir, yeah. She recognized that he's somebody, he's somebody. He's somebody. He's somebody to be polite to. He's somebody to be honored. He's, he's working on things, not, not my things necessarily, not things I'm concerned with. But he might have some information. Sir, do you know where the body is? Sir? And many people grow up in church, go to church, and they learn that Jesus is somebody that somebody's learning something from. Some people's lives get better, some eh, not so much. Certainly doesn't have concern itself with me, sir. Sir? But then... Jesus called her name. He said, Mary. Now she recognizes. Wait a minute. Ha. Huh. This is somebody I can learn from. 
And she calls him Rabboni, which means teacher. She went from, sir, maybe you have something to teach somebody to, well, maybe you have something to teach me. And so now I will sit and let you improve my life a little bit. You'll teach me some stuff. I'll figure out which of those things are applicable to me. I'll wade through it a little bit because some's probably good, some's probably not for me. But I'm still the Lord of my life. But then, but then, she calls him Lord. Then she calls him Lord. She goes to her disciples, excuse me, the apostles, and she yells and she says, I have seen the Lord. He is God of all. This is where God wants you. This is where Holy Spirit can really begin to deliver you from the issues of this world. This is when the real righteousness, peace, and joy begins to be added to your life. Can you stand with me? Mary Magdalene, I have seen this is when she had the risen Savior in her life. And I would just ask right now that you would make a commitment to the Lord. I'm going to take that next step today. I'm not going to have you fill anything out. I don't care what you do. It's between you and the Lord. I mean, I care. I'd like everybody to follow Jesus. That'd probably be a good idea. Uh, uh, but, I, you know, living without Him is probably worse than living with Him. You know, like it's better. Somebody asked me this week, they said, what, 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 do, you, what do you like best about the teachings of Jesus? What do you, what do you like about the person and teachings of Jesus? What, what, what compels you? I said, oh, what do I like? Oh, that's easy. What he did for me when I met him and how good he's been to me ever since. <laughs> that, that's, 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 that's the aspect of Jesus that I find most compelling. And if you're not in a place where you're seeing his faithfulness in your life right now, if you're not in a place where he is comforting you in your darkest hour, if you're not in a place, hear me, where he's showing you who the real you are in the midst of the real him, I want to invite you today to make a decision. To follow. Can you say amen? Let's pray together. Father God, beautiful, beautiful Lord, beautiful Lord, beautiful Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you didn't have to rescue us. You didn't have to save us. You, 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 you could have just left us and started all over again with our death. You could have used my sinful life and his example to other people of what you shouldn't do. But you didn't do that. Instead, you waited on me. You gave me some time to figure it out. You wooed me with your love and your beauty and you continued to send messengers to me that Jesus Christ had a call on my life and that Jesus Christ wanted to come and live on the inside of me and glorify himself in me. And I thank you that every time I rejected you, you didn't take me seriously, but you kept coming at me with your love. You kept coming at me with your mercy. You kept coming at me with people. You kept sending 
sending people to me who didn't take no for an answer. You kept sending people to me to invite me to know you. And you kept sending your Holy Ghost whose love who was chasing me all the days of my life and kept speaking words of destiny over me. And I, and I thank you, Father, that you, when I was at my lowest, you didn't say, well, that's what you deserve, Carl. I done told you to do something, but you didn't listen. No, 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 no. You said, son, I still got a plan for you. I still got a purpose for you. I still got the Holy Ghost waiting with you. I still got angels on assignment with you. There's still the blood being ministered in heaven on your behalf. And I still call you righteous. I still call you saved. I still call you sanctified. I still call you a son of God. I still got a ring to put on your finger and a coat to put on your back. And I still am coming back for you one day to reign with me in heaven as a joint heir of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father God, that today there's two people in the room, those who have a testimony that I am walking with the living God and those who have not yet recognized that the living God is walking with them, Father. I thank you that there's people in the room who see the God working on the inside of them and look in the dark places and see the angel father but I also know there's some people who got some dark places that they're scared to look into because they only see rags and father I pray today that you do what only you could do and you would activate their spiritual senses right now that hope would come into the room praying the Holy Ghost that hope would come into the room that the very spirit of God would saturate the atmosphere and would transform something on the inside of them with flip a switch that all of a sudden they don't just see the rags but they see the glory of God in the midst of their humiliation. They see the, the resurrection promise in the midst of their death. They see that you have been, oh that's somebody in this room God has been stripping some things away and you liked it but God called it cancer and he said you can't live with the cancer and be alive so I had to do a little bit of spiritual surgery in your friend group there to get you delivered of some stuff that wasn't going to get you where I need to get you and Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, come on, pray in the Spirit, that people right now would take a step and decide, I'm in the discipleship process. Lord Jesus, you were somebody's teacher, then you became my teacher, but now today you're going to be my Lord. Now you're going to be my Lord. You are my Savior, and you are my God. Come on. We're going to sing it together. Come on. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Oh, we thank you for the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Hallelujah, King
to celebrate Jesus, celebrate the cross, what he's given us. Amen. Amen. Remember, next Sunday, we are having our anniversary barbecue. We want you all, or anniversary celebration, when you all to join us. Sign up for a dish to bring in the lobby. I will be out there if this is your first time here. I'd love to meet you. Pastor Carl will be there as well. Happy Resurrection Day. Let's give another shout to the Lord. Amen. God bless you.